name of my message is a good imitation. And it's from Ephesians 5. You don't have to go there yet. I just want to just give you a background before we get into the scripture. How many know occasionally when you read the Bible, you'll come across a verse that jumps out, just jumps out at you and overwhelms you by the virtue of its sheer impossibility. It just jumps out, and you say, I don't know if I could do that. For example, when Jesus said, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's in Matthew 5.48. Now, I don't know about you, but... That one hasn't been easy for me to pull off yet. I don't know if I could be that perfect, as Jesus is perfect. Or the time when Jesus told what was left of his original band of disciples, in Mark 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. To me, that sounds like mission impossible. Okay, that's mission impossible, especially for 11 ragtag fishermen. Go out and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, that's what the Bible says for us to all do. Go out and preach the gospel to all creation. You're telling me to do that? To me, it sounds like Mission Impossible. There's another scripture where Paul tells us to do the seemingly, to me, the impossible. It's found in the text of Ephesians 5, verse 1. I'm going to read it out of the American Standard Version of the Bible. Verse 1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as beloved children. So my question this morning is, what does that mean? Be imitators of God. What does it mean to be an imitator of God? Now, and that's what I want to look at today. What does it really mean to imitate God? What does it really mean? How many remember the great actor, if you're old enough, the great actor Marlon Brando? Okay, so a lot of us know Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando died in 2004. Now, I know that Pastor Mike, he knows because Pastor Mike likes the American cinema. And I can remember talking about movies with him on our trips and everything else. I just told him to go see another good movie just recently. Now, in spite of Marlon Brando's troubled life, he will be remembered as one of the greatest actors in the history of movies. And he will also be one of the most imitated actors in all of history. He's like kind of Elvis. Everybody wants to imitate 
Elvis. Now, Sharon knows you can't imitate Elvis. You have the original. She knows the original Elvis. No, you cannot imitate Elvis. But everyone thinks they can do Elvis. And the same that everyone thinks they can do Brando imitation. Part of the reason that you think you can do a Brando imitation is that he spoke so many classic movie lines. Now, if somebody would say, if you're old enough, you will remember, Marlon Brando, Stella! Hey, Stella! On the waterfront. You would know who that was, but he would shout Stella. You would know that was on the waterfront if you're old enough. Or when in the movie he said, Santino, don't ever go against the family. Do you understand me? The Godfather. You would know Brando. Now, how many know some imitators are good? But there's no substitute for the real thing. You see, there's more to imitating an actor than just repeating their best-known lines with their accent. There's a lot more to it, which always brings us back to the subject of imitating God. It's the same way, saints. There's more to imitating God they're just talking the talk. There's more to imitating God than just talking the talk. See, some people think that if they just quote enough scripture, enough times, and enough conversations, they'll be branded as godly. Quoting scripture is, of course, a good thing. We all know that. Amen? Amen? But there is more to imitating God than just repeating his best-known lines. And we were talking about that this morning. If you're really listening to everything that's been said this morning, there's more to it than just imitating God's best-known lines in Scripture. How do we imitate God? So how do you, how do you imitate God? Now, when I read this command, I tend to think first of all the aspects of God's nature that we cannot imitate. There's some things in God's nature that we cannot imitate. For example, God is omnipotent. How do we know he's all-powerful? We certainly can't imitate that. Amen? God is also omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. We certainly cannot imitate that. We can't be everywhere at once. Also, God is omniscient. He knows everything. Some of us may think we know everything. Some of us may think we got this one nailed. But the fact is that we don't really know everything that there is to know. We can't imitate his power. We can't imitate his presence. Or we can't imitate his knowledge. But there is one way we can imitate God and be just like him. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, Ephesians 5, verse 2. Be ye therefore imitators of God 
as beloved children, come on, walk in, everybody say, walk in, even as what? Christ also loves you. Love. Love. That's how you imitate God. You love people. Now, I know this world is in a mess. But the only thing that's going to solve the problems is love. Love people. Now, most of you are probably way ahead of me right now on this one, but I want to remind you that loving people is not, oh, I love you. It's not a feeling. I've said this so many times. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an action, saints. Love is something that you do. The Bible says that God loves us and he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Die for us. So when Paul talks about imitating God by walking in love, he's not talking about having a feeling He's talking about showing an action. I seen some of that this morning when Dorothy got up and said, we need to give to the children. We need to give to those in need. Come on. It's an action. It's an action. So today, I want to look at some actions that demonstrate God's love to the world. And I believe the world needs to hear this. We are in a mess. Because this is not being adhered to. They can carry around peace signs all you want, but they're not adhering to the feeling, to the action. This is a feeling. Number one, you imitate God's love by forgiving others. I didn't hear a lot of amen, but amen. Amen. Let's back up a couple of verses now. In chapter 4, at the tail end, verse 32. It says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You imitate God's love by forgiving others. Now, Mahatma Gandhi said something. He said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attitude of the strong. 
Now, Mahatma Gandhi may not, may not have been a Christian, but he understood this, act, this aspect of forgiveness. It requires something. It requires strength. Come on, sometimes it's really hard not to forgive somebody who's really hurt you, hurt your family, or whatever it is. You need strength for that. You need strength to be able to forgive somebody. It requires strength. The inability to forgive is a sign of weakness. Come on, saints. The ability to forgive is a sign of power. Now, just recently, I had to go through this situation with a family member. Me, my brothers, my sister, all had, I had to share with them and my other brother, who's a pastor, to forgive. Otherwise, we're not going nowhere as a family. If I can't forgive, it was hard, but I had to forgive for the sake. Come on. And we need to forgive for the sake of this country. We need to forgive a lot of things. We need to really get it together. See, forgiveness isn't easy. And it's not, it, neither is it human. Come on, it's not human. Because it doesn't come naturally to us. Forgiveness doesn't come naturally to me. Come on. When my, when my relative did this to me and my brothers and my sisters and all this kind of stuff, I wanted to clock them. Let's get somebody in the family. Let's go take care of this guy. No, I'm serious. This happened. We were all at a table. My wife was sitting, we were all at a table sitting there. It was a holiday. We were celebrating. And we started to talk about the certain person in my family who has done this to us. And we said, let's get somebody to get, take care of him. This was an Italian conclave. It doesn't come naturally. C.S. Lewis said this. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. It's a great idea until I have to forgive Joe Schmo. Or I have to forgive, you know, so-and-so in my family. It's a great idea until I have to do it. You see, if you're married, there's no doubt that you have something to forgive. If you have children, or have parents, or have siblings, you have something to forgive. If you have a boss, or if you have employees, you have something to forgive. Because in the course of human events, it is inevitable that offenses will come. It's inevitable, saints. We all find ourselves faced with the opportunity to forgive. The question is, what will you do about it? 
Whose example will you follow? Who will you imitate? See, when I'm struggling with the need to forgive someone, like I just had to do, I need to ask myself a couple of questions. Number one, if I did what this person did, would God forgive me? Now, if, you, if your immediate reaction is, but I would never do what that person did, then you're missing the point. And you're deceiving yourself. While you may not be guilty of the same offense, you're guilty of an equal offense. 1 John 1.8 If we say that we have no sin, we are what? Deceiving ourselves. And the truth is, not in us. James 2.10 For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point, he has become guilty of all. You see, the next question we need to ask ourselves, is there any sin that I have committed for which God has not forgiven me? How many know the answer, of course, is no. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God has freely forgiven me for all my sins, how could I possibly not forgive someone else? How can I possibly not? And this is exactly the point that Paul is making. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. You want to learn to imitate God? Show his love by forgiving others. Number two, the second way to imitate God, and I think uh, Forrest said something about is suffering for others. I think you used that word where you shared just now. It says in verse 2, walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. How many remember the passion of the Christ, that, that movie? How many remember the pain, the suffering that Jesus endured? And how unjust it was. We all know that. Amen? He didn't have to suffer on our behalf. How many know he didn't have to die? He chose to do it. And how did Paul describe Jesus' example of self-denial? I want to read it out of the Message Bible. In the Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. This is out of the Message Bible. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity 
and took the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of his love for us, Jesus denied himself, his own rights, even his own will, and gave himself for us. Say, it's just as forgiveness requires strength that is beyond us, so does self-denial. It's not easy to say no to yourself. And yet, that is what God has called us to do. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, and I preached this before, and take up his cross and follow me. How many know you will never be called to suffer for others to the extent that Jesus suffered? But you will be inconvenienced. You will have to take calls when you don't want to take calls. You will, you will have to run errands when you don't want to run errands. You will have to give when you don't want to give. You may be inconvenienced. And though this isn't really suffering, we sometimes carry on as if it is. I have to do this. I have to get up out of bed and do this. Can't they get their sister to do it? Can't someone else do it? Pastor, do you mean I have to take time out of my busy schedule to help people? It's such a bother. Yes, it is. It is also an example of God's love. The willingness to suffer for others is saying, I'm not the center of the universe. The world doesn't revolve around me. Saints, if Jesus, who truly is the center of the universe, can adopt that attitude, so can we. Now, when I talk about the willingness to suffer for others, I'm talking about suffering that happens to you, that you have no choice about. I'm not talking about self, a choice that you make. That's why it takes strength to do it. 
Because like Christ, you are giving up yourself willingly. You are saying no to yourself and yes to others. And I found this quote. Man who man would be must rule the empire of himself. Man who man would be must rule the empire of himself. We need, we need to rule this thing that wants to not forgive, that wants to not help, okay? You imitate God's love by forgiving others. You imitate God's love by suffering for others. And lastly, you imitate God's love by serving others. This is so true now that we ordain an elder and a man in the house that has to, this is what is part of the job. Part of the calling. It says, I want to, verse 2, gave himself up for us. For who? For us. I want to zero in on this phrase. Gave himself up for us. For us who are unworthy. We who are unnecessary, Jesus gave himself up for you and I. He said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to imitate God's love? You serve others. And as we come into this time of season, that's what we really need to do. Show the love of God in your heart. Show the love of God in this church. Because it's by your actions, not by a lot of other things. Someone once said this, the world cannot always understand a person's confession of faith, but it can understand service. They may not understand how you got saved and what happened to your life and how you came out of drugs or how you came out of uh, being a, you know, a bad guy or how you came out of being a lousy cop and a lousy husband. It's how you serve others. Albert Schweitzer made a suggestion that I would like to challenge you to follow. He said, do something for someone every day for which you do not get paid. In fact, you could take it a step further. See if you can do something for someone every day for which you will not get no recognition. Whoa, wait a minute now. You mean to tell you I'm not going to get recognized for this? Saints, I just hope the idea of imitating God doesn't seem as impossible as it did when I began this message. How many know it is possible 
or God wouldn't have commanded us to do it. It is possible. Otherwise, God wouldn't have said it in his word for us to do. It's possible, but we can't do it in our own strength. It's not by might, nor by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. We need to rely on Jesus to help us. See, there's one thing you will learn as you practice imitating God. And I'm trying to learn this, is that you will get better at it. You will get better at it. The more you do it, you get better at it. Our imitation of God's love becomes more and more like us. The more we do that, the more you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We get better the more we do it. We get better at it. You want to learn how to imitate God? Then begin to say no to yourself, yes to others. No to yourself. Yes to others. Forgive when you need to forgive. I know it's hard, saints. I wouldn't be preaching it if I haven't tried to practice this these last few years. Be willing to suffer for the sake of others. And saints, let's make it a habit to serve someone. This is how God's love, this is how God's loves, loves us, is how we share his love with others. Amen.